Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast featuring exclusive content and interviews with leaders in the WordPress community, covering everything from development to integrating your digital marketing strategy with WordPress. Join host David Vogelpohl of WP Engine and special guests from across the community as they keep you up to speed on the latest advancements in WordPress. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Press This, the WordPress community podcast on WMR. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at WPDavidV, and you can subscribe to Press This on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or shop, uh, uh, Spotify, not Shopify. And of course, you can download the latest episodes at WMR.FM. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the future of e-commerce and WooCommerce. And joining us for that conversation from Elementary Digital, I'd like to welcome Giles Seward. Giles, welcome to Press This. Hi, David. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Good. So glad to have you here. I know you're, uh, you're calling in from England today, right? Is that correct? I am, I am indeed, yes, uh, across the pond for you guys, but uh, yes, um, I, I am calling from a place called Yorkshire, so in the north of England. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, really excited to have you here. We know, of course, e-commerce is a global sport. I know this is a big part of your focus, um, but for those listening, what we're going to be talking to Giles about today is his thoughts on where WooCommerce wins over closed source platforms like Shopify. Um, the cost of ownership of open versus closed source platform. So what does it cost to actually like own and operate one of these stores in these two different ways? And um, why WooCommerce is unintuitively becoming the enterprise e-com platform of choice. I'm really curious to hear more about that, Giles. Uh, but we'll go ahead and uh, kick it off with the first question I actually ask every guest. So I'm very curious to hear your answer, Giles. Uh, briefly tell me your WordPress origin story. When did you first use WordPress? Uh, well, I mean, I started a little bit before. I started working digital in 2006. And back then, the whole sort of uh, approach to building websites was around bespoke content management systems. And I, I worked from about 2006 to about 2011, uh, developing websites for people using bespoke CMS. And, and then WordPress started to appear and it went from someone ringing me up and saying, I want to build a website to someone saying, do you do WordPress? And when I'd been asked about 10 times, I thought, oh, I better have a look at this. So back in 2011, I started to um, 
find out a bit more about it. And obviously back then it had more, it was more sort of setting its blogging roots. Um, so I, I started to learn. I've bought a few books and started to really get into understanding more about it. And then started, I'm not a developer by any means, but I started to pull together some WordPress websites and learn how to connect a theme and how to host a WordPress website. And my one of the reasons I started doing it is because my pals, um, I play rugby, which is a very popular sport in England. And uh, I, they were asking me if I could build them a website. So I started to do it. And uh, it dawned on me today when I was, I was preparing for this, I thought, I'd, I remember doing the first one. It was so I could buy an iPad 2, an Apple iPad 2. And uh, yeah, so I built my first WordPress website way back when, about 10 years ago. And what I realized very quickly uh, is about two years on from then, I, I I realized that um, I was working for this agency that built a, a bespoke content management system. And I realized actually the future was very much WordPress. And I decided to leave the job that I was in and then set up my own dedicated WordPress agency uh, back in 2013. That's cool. You know, 2011 was a very po- 2010, 2011 was a very popular time for adopting WordPress as a CMS. This was right after custom post types with custom meta fields had appeared in WordPress. And so this was also around the time I was also in the agency business and my phone kept ringing for uh, WordPress sites. And I was like, oh, I guess I better start building with WordPress. So I kind of share that origin story with you, at least in that way. I actually used WordPress a little bit before then for other reasons, but uh, it's kind of funny that overlap there, Giles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, from my point of view, it was very much, it was driven by the marketplace and what people were saying. And um, when I started to explore, because obviously I was working in this bespoke CMS and using it every day. And I just realized even back then how uh, forward um, WordPress was as a content management system. It was just so much easier to use uh, and and for people to pick up and work with, it was just much better. Yeah, you didn't have to maintain that bespoke CMS either. <laughs> that was a pretty nice part. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was like a breath of fresh air. To be fair. Sure, sure, sure. All right, cool. Um, so tell me a little bit, real quickly, about Elementary Digital and uh, what y'all work on related to WooCommerce. Yeah. So I founded uh, Elementary Digital back in 2013. I ran it by myself for about eight months, and then I met my my business partner, a guy called Andy Holland who started in WordPress right at day dot when WordPress was on the scene back in, I think about 2008 or something like that. And uh, once he came on board, we decided to build a dedicated WordPress agency um, in the UK. Today, we're 35 people. We have 18 developers. We we have offices in London and then a place called Leeds, which is up in the north of um, England. Um, I have quite a heavy e-commerce background. I've been working in e-commerce since 2006, so for 15 years. Uh, And that e-commerce has been not just um, working, building websites, but also SEO, paid search, social media. So the full mix, really. So how to generate traffic and how to get people to convert on the website. Started building in WooCommerce back in 2014. um, And we're quite well recognized for WooCommerce today in England uh, in particular. Uh, we we specialize very much in complex WooCommerce builds today, and we, we build more enterprise level e-commerce platforms for people. So we work with high street brands in the UK. Uh, we work with a lot of business to business brands, financial services. We work with one of the top three banks in the UK, uh, supporting them in WooCommerce. 
uh, and then fitness clothing, clothing and fast fashion. So we have quite a cross sect uh, section of uh, experience, really. So we get challenged with doing lots of interesting things in WooCommerce. And what we're, we're quite proud of is we, we want to push the boundaries, really. And uh, we're very much interested in WooCommerce being more sort of um, considered as more of an enterprise uh, e-commerce framework. So I like how you commented about kind of pushing the boundaries. And I know, at least for me, it feels like people choose WordPress and WooCommerce when they're trying to build something unique and stand out. And I know that like closed source platforms, uh, you know, in e-com, things like Shopify can, can sometimes make it easy. And, and we know, of course, that Woo has grown to a massive size. I think it launched in 2011, right after those custom post types. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Shopify, of course, is gaining ground. Um, so I'm just curious, like, if Shopify for, for smaller stores is easier, uh, why do people choose Woo over these kind of, quote, simpler and closed source platforms like Shopify? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of, one of the things about Shopify is, is momentum, I think. It is bigger, actually, than Woo. I just, uh, I did some research on Built With, and at the moment, there's 4.8 million Shopify stores, and there's 4.7 WooCommerce, so it's ever slightly bigger than uh, WooCommerce these days. But yeah, I think the whole thing around Shopify and how it presents itself to market has been an easy option, and as easy as opening your laptop and using a piece of software on your laptop is is what, it breaks down some barriers, because uh, in e-commerce, there is always that um, fear of the unknown. And Shopify, don't get me wrong, is very simple to use. It's very idiot proof. Um, so yeah, no, it's a great package. However, uh, what we see is quite a bit of um, pushback in terms of Shopify because whilst people run into it and sort of uh, set up the stores, uh, they do it with um, the wrong understanding of the overall lifetime costs. And what they're finding now is that they, to have a Shopify store, they're getting them online, they're getting up and running. However, um, ultimately it's costing them a lot of money and it's money that's coming out of the back pocket. So one of the shifts we've seen in terms of the marketplace is people are now talking to us about WooCommerce because um, there is um, more opportunity to own um, the website and evolve the website because obviously Shopify is a closed framework and you're limited to what you can effectively do by <laughs> its features that are available. So, yeah, it's... Um, with WooCommerce, what we've seen is people that have come to us um, for a WooCommerce website have already been aware of WooCommerce and what it can do or have had an experience with WordPress, which with WordPress being the biggest content management system in the world is very beneficial. Uh, but then what we're also seeing is a lot of people that have been on these other systems like OpenCart, BigCommerce or Shopify that are now looking for something that they can evolve and adapt with them and they can have more ownership over their whole framework. You just and hit also, the two, I was just going to say, you just hit the two points that really stood out for me as I was listening to your earlier comments on that was this notion of evolve and own. In other words, when you choose closed source, it's almost like you're renting your website or your store from that company, but then you're also restrained in the way you might evolve based on you know the limitations of the platform. Now, of course, limitations can sometimes be good because they can help you move fast. Um, but if you're trying to stand out, it feels like open platforms you know, give you that ability. And it seems like that seems to play out with the way you were responding to that. I'm curious though about this kind of extra cost part. Um, and I wanna dig into that, but we're gonna take our first break and we'll be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on WMR. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I'm in the middle of our interview with Giles Seward talking about the future of e-commerce and WooCommerce. Um, Giles, right before the break, you were talking a little bit about for the clients you're working with. Um, really some of the key things that are important to them um, is the ability to evolve and, and stand out, those I guess are my words, um, the stand out part, but also to kind of own their store versus say renting it from a um, closed source platform. But prior to that, you talked about the costs. And so I know that you know the Shopify model kind of relies on a percentage of sales for each transaction. Um, and I also know that kind of, you can do custom stuff in Shopify, but I feel like the tech stack is not um, known by a large volume of developers. So help me understand, like, where is this cost coming from? Is it coming from like the complexity and customization and like a smaller set of developers that know it? Is it coming from the percentage of sales? Like, where's the pushback coming from? Well, you've got a few problems within the cost. I mean, there is a subscription fee when you go and the when you go to Shopify Plus, the more advanced model, then your fees are much higher. And obviously, you've mentioned about there's the fees that you have to pay based on the um, transactions that go through the site. Which, yeah, the more successful you are, uh, the more penalised you're effectively going to be because you're going to have to be paying out to your uh, website um, provider. Um, fundamentally, where the, the costs uh, add up is. Um, you pay a subscription fee, so uh, £29 per month for the, the, sm- uh, the smallest, the most basic version of Shopify, which in the face of things, you think, oh, it's very cheap, $29 is nothing. Um, but then when you grow or you evolve as an e-commerce business, and the reason you're going online is to do that, and if you're successful and people find you, then and you want more out of the website, trying to find someone that can cost-effectively work with you uh, is very difficult. Um, the reason being is the development for commu- community for Shopify is still, compa- when compared to WordPress, massively limited. Um, uh, Shopify is built in its own coding methodology called Liquid, uh, which is uh, like a version of Ruby, uh, Ruby and Rails. And the number of developers that are trained or are capable to a high enough level to be able to do a professional and considered job um, is limited. And the knock-on effect for that is that the agencies out there can charge a premium. 
So it's a kind of a double bluff. You sign up for your e-commerce website and you pay your $29 and you think, oh, I've created it myself and stuff. But then when you want to evolve it or change it and do basic things on it, first of all, the extensions might not exist within Shopify. So then you're limited to what the functionality is that's uh, for that piece of software. It's effectively software as a service. But then when you go out to find an agency or developer, there's very few freelance developers. They're usually booked up for months in advance because they're so busy, they start to charge a premium. But then if you go to an agency, again, they're charging a premium. So that whole sort of cost-effective model that you thought, oh, I'll get on, online, starts to disappear because that whole uh, cost of management, it just doesn't exist. Then on the flip side of that is if you are successful, again, you're paying out for using the system and the more successful you are, the more you're paying, which as a business, there is sort of a, a turning point where you think, oh, it's all right, I'm making money. But as soon as the point when you need more investment or you want to adapt the system. So, for example, if you wanted to add in a warehouse management system to Shopify, it may not have a connector existing. But then if you want to bring in a third party agency to develop it, the cost of doing it be really high. But then if you do do that and then it's successful, you're going to get charged for more transactions going through the site because it's more successful the site. So it's um, a lot of articles that are coming out at the moment um, are comparing Shopify to other systems like Magento, WooCommerce and all this. And one of the big things is there is the lifetime cost uh, of having a Shopify website. And it's quite eye-opening really. Um, I did a little bit of um, uh, insight and the, to have a more advanced version of Shopify, so Shopify Plus, um, the first year cost on average is $133,000 to $270,000. And then your third year, if you're a successful Shopify online business, is $270,000 to $413,000, which comparative, when you compare that to WooCommerce, take into account once you've had the build done, you have to pay maintenance fee and you have to pay hosting fee, no doubt. But it's not even, I mean, it's probably about 10% of that cost. So it's not just a small cost. It's a, it's a phenomenal cost. It's massive cost. So Shopify, for all its benefits of getting you online and being a relatively simple platform to use, in the long run, it's a very, very expensive platform and way to run an e-commerce business. So did those costs you just ran down, did that include the the cost of the development time to maintain the store? Was that just the platform cost? Yeah, that's your overall cost. So that's cost to, to maintain and run the site. Um, and that'll probably be your, uh, it was just based on an, an average e-commerce yeah, example. Um, so, but you know, if you're hitting 430,000, if you're turning over, let's say a couple of million dollars, that's, that's quite a big cost. The big cost, yeah, and if you look at percentages, you know, on average, you'd say about 10% of whatever you turn over your sales should be covering your cost of developing and maintaining a website and perhaps some digital marketing as well. You know, that that's that's way over. That's you know, you're looking at well, if you turn so over four like, million dollars. I mean, you, know. you hit this point early on in that response, and I, I just kind of want to get back to it is like if you want to do custom development in Shopify, your developers need to know a special version of Ruby on Rails. And yeah. the number of web developers in the world who build websites with Ruby on Rails, because again, you can build applications with Ruby on Rails, but actual websites uh, in e-commerce, I'd imagine being in a smaller cohort, it's a smaller volume of developers 
which means less agencies, less freelancers. And if you have an internal team, it also means less developers to hire who will be familiar with your stack and ready to hit the ground running. I mean, granted, you could hire, I guess, generally Rails developers and train them up, but um, that's going to delay your onboarding process. I mean, that's, that's a huge deal. Like the, the number one problem in tech, if you will, is hiring. Um, I, feel, I feel like yeah. this is a huge point. Yeah, I mean, talent pool in general across uh, most of the uh, website frameworks um, is is a real challenge. And what you're not only doing in Shopify is you're asking to you're asking a developer who's perhaps been trained in PHP or JavaScript or whatever to then come in and learn something completely new. And yes, don't get me wrong, if they have familiarity with code and they're good at what they do and they're bright, then yeah, they'll they'll be able to migrate across and and, and learn it. But uh, yeah, you're still asking them to learn again. And or you have a Rails and... application developer who you're asking to learn how to build websites, which I, I, I yeah. have a distinction between those two myself, and I feel like the developers and engineers do too. Yeah, I mean, and typically, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in the UK, trying to recruit a Ruby on Rails developer or engineer, or call that well, uh, they're not cheap. Not cheap, and they're often wrapped up in. There are a lot of organisations, in particular in the UK, that use Ruby for various applications. And to take them away from what they're doing, um, you're gonna have to offer them a big salary. Um, so with that big salary, then comes they've got to pass that cost on to the clients that they're working with. So the whole cycle is is quite challenging. And we see a lot of people. We speak to a lot of people that have got a Shopify site and become disillusioned with not so much Shopify itself because you know don't get me wrong it's a good system but uh, more with the whole um, ecosystem that sits around it and post-launch support and uh, the ambitions that are not being fulfilled by the agency or the, the partner that they're working with. Yeah it's uh, someone who's hired many web and application developers over the years I know how compelling it is to get that right with your technology choices. Um, I remember my own WordPress origin story. It was the customers calling in, but it was also the developers I could hire and having more of them to choose from. I know it was a big motivator for me. Is that how you also think about it? Yeah, I mean, in WordPress, um, we never have any challenges recruiting in WordPress. There are expertise, you know, you have different tiers of WordPress developers. You have junior, middle and, and senior. And, it's their capabilities and actually being able to make WordPress do what you want them to do at enterprise level. But we're fortunate that we have, um, we have a lot of really good senior developers, but um, yeah, but there is, I'd, and in the UK in particular, I'd say there's probably 10 WordPress developers for every one Shopify developer. So that gives some context. So when you go out to market to try and recruit, we are getting a really good number of CVs that then means we can pass on the amount of resource to our clients, but also provide more cost-effective solutions to allow more enterprise-level businesses to be able to um, build in WooCommerce and support in WooCommerce. Yeah, and build more stuff, right? That's what happens when you save money yeah. on your development costs is you can have more developers doing more things, making you more money. And that's the, the wonderful part, I, I think, of that, in addition yeah. to just the joy of not having to look for weeks or months to find your next developer. Um, I really want yeah. to dig into the enterprise side, um, but we're going to take our last break and we'll be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on WMR. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. We're in the middle of our episode around the future of e-commerce and WooCommerce. Giles, 
before the break, you were talking a little bit around kind of the hiring dilemma with, um, you know, closed source platforms like Shopify, particularly that use, um, you know, languages for their customization that might not be as popular as what WordPress benefits from. Um, but I want to kind of shift gears now into the enterprise world a little bit. Um, Woo is traditionally, of course, thought of as an SMB tool. And, you know, you kind of said you found some success building for enterprises. And I certainly know a ton of them that leverage Woo. Um, but I'm just curious, like, what your general thoughts are on how it is specifically helpful for enterprises. Uh, well, I mean, one of the big points we just touched on is the fact that there's a more uh, resource out there and there's a better community out there. You know, by virtue of the fact that WooCommerce Commerce is um, an extension of WordPress, you've got um, the momentum of the, the, the WordPress movement globally. So uh, I was at a conference of the week and I think it was about 40% of the web is on WordPress at the moment. So from a from an enterprise point of view, you have that wealth of knowledge, that community, i.e. plugins, themes, uh, but then also that available resource because most enterprise businesses, it's all about uh, cost is a big factor, but then it's also about speed to market and the ability to be able to support and evolve at the pace of retail because you know the, the ideas and search in particular SEO changes every day. So having a readily available team, whether that's internally or externally, that can adapt and evolve a website framework is really important for these businesses. And the challenges around Shopify and other e-commerce frameworks out there is that that resource is finite. Um, people are fighting over that um, the skill set and the talent pool. And uh, it holds back businesses. It holds back these enterprise businesses. And those guys can't, they can't wait. The things need to be done. You need, they need to be delivered on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's a big, big factor. Then WooCommerce itself uh, is evolved. I mean, you touched on it, it was launched back in 2011, but since then it's massively evolved and it's, it's um, a very powerful tool these days. It can remain, it's very lightweight. So because of the way it is, i.e. a framework that works with plugins, you can infinitely adapt it to your requirements. So um, uh, with the plugins, you can add in new functionality. With the way that WordPress has been developed, you can adapt it along to your the enterprise client's requirements. So we've done work around subscriptions. We've done work around integrations with recognized ERP systems like SAP, Sage in the UK, um, and all using the REST API within WordPress. Um, because also it's theme-based, we can do a huge amount of adaptations to make uh, change conversion journeys, change product pages. And it's like the Swiss Army knife for e-commerce frameworks. Um, systems like Shopify, you're very limited to what functionality is available, what's on part of their roadmap, uh, and when will that be released? And as I touched on, enterprise businesses don't wait for things. You have to do things at the speed of uh, retail. Um, so... Um, in terms of, uh, there's multiple uses for it. Um, so depending on your product type, uh, depending on your marketplace requirements, you can effectively adapt WooCommerce to your requirements. Um, uh, there's a huge amount of SEO features within the framework. So WordPress is very favorable to the digital marketing community. But then using WooCommerce, you have all the powers of SEO within WordPress, but in an e-commerce framework. Um, the, in terms of ownership as well, enterprise businesses more and more these days are wanting to have full ownership. Uh, when you have proprietary or software as a service, a bit like Shopify, um, they're limited. And 
business, enterprise businesses like to feel like they own the IP and they can ultimately do with it what they want. Um, the, the common myth around it that we've been, we often have conversations with is around the security. That myth these days is getting more and more dispelled um, because WordPress is as secure as any other framework. Um, and more, we're getting contacted more from IT directors or um, CIOs, chief information officers, um, about uh, WooCommerce because the perception of it these days is that it's it's up there with these larger e-commerce um, frameworks sure, like Demandware or the, it's patched right for any known vulnerabilities and so on where it's WordPress. But it sounds like like yeah. thematically, as I kind of hear you run through that list, the thing that really stood out to me was speed, right? Like what enterprise wants more than anything is to move fast. And and that seems to be the toehold for me that I've seen um, that, that gets you in the door initially with WordPress's, uh, I'm sorry, enterprises using WordPress. Um, but then you kind of pointed out that you kind of have infinite control in a way. And so I like to always frame this as like basically with WordPress and WooCommerce, you set the pace and direction of innovation in your business. You're not kind of, you, you pointed this out, you're not waiting around for the next thing on the roadmap. So hopefully you get that thing you need to grow your business. I think that's a really wonderful point to end on. Giles, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's really nice to meet you, David, and uh, really good to have a chat. Yeah, it was very interesting. If you'd like to learn more about what Giles is up to, you can visit elementarydigital.co.uk. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on WMR. Again, this has been your host, David Vogelpohl. I love, I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.